0: So I'm just going to read from 1 Peter chapter 2. we have been walking through this book for a little while now. So this is what we're up to. And this is what Peter says of Jesus. Now to those who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Thank God for his word and for that wonderful promise given to us today through the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we pray again that you'll open your word to us and you'll help us to see clearly what you're saying through that word, what you're saying of Jesus, but... Lord, also to see what through Jesus you're saying to us and asking of us. And Father, help us today, not just to consider this, but help us to respond. Help us to to give our yes in more than words, but in action to what your word says now. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, it's funny, isn't it, the things that, ...that stick in your mind. Certainly it's funny the things that stick in my mind... ...because I've got quite a funny mind. But an example is a sketch... ...that I remember seeing many years ago now... ...on the Jasper Carrot show. Now, for those of you who don't know... ...and there's probably quite a few in that place... uh, ...Jasper Carrot is a comedian... ...I was going to say he was, but he is still around... ...is a comedian from Birmingham... ...who was on TV a fair bit... ...largely in the 1980s, 90s maybe... And I didn't usually watch his programme because I didn't find his humour all that funny. But one particular night, I, I did watch it, and there was a sketch on it that I thought was absolutely brilliant. And it was all about a man who'd bought all the, the fashion flops and failures over the previous 20 years. He bought the DeLorean car. Made famous now in the film Back to the Future, but though these cars you see now are worth money, they weren't that popular at the time that they didn't catch on. And production in Belfast finished after just two years, they ran out of money. And then there was the Betamax video. And that was what really grabbed me because I was never going to have a DeLorean car. But this was looking back into the, the 1970s, you know, pre DVD days. But it was all video recorders. They were the exciting thing. And videotapes that used to always stretch, but that's a different story, and light you down. But anyway. and when it was all about this, and, and basically two formats came out at this time. There was the, the Betamax that was developed by Sony, and the VHS, largely developed by JVC. Now, you see, everybody knew that one of these two formats would become dominant. That is, they would be the format that was chosen by the film companies and and by those who then would hire out films. So which would it be, everybody wondered? Betamax and the slightly more upmarket at the time, Sony, or JVC with their slightly less expensive VHS? Jasper made the wrong choice. He went with Sony and Betamax, as, incidentally, did most of my family. I went for the cheaper VHS, by the way, which no one who knows me would be that surprised about. But, you see, when that happened and VHS became dominant, how that made me laugh, how I enjoyed that, that those who looked down their nose at my VHS... Well, what that illustrates in its own way is that there are times in our life when we have to face up to or at least live with the implications and consequences of our choices, our decisions. This is relevant to what we're, we're looking at now in First, First Peter. For see, what we're going to be looking at today are the implications, the consequences... Of the most important decision, the most important choice we can ever make in life. And that is the decision that we make regarding Jesus Christ. Regarding God's offer of new life, of a new beginning, a new relationship, a transformed heart through Jesus Christ. For, as it's laid before us by God, presented to us in God's Word, not just in this passage, but a number of... Of places in the Bible, there are only two options we have today in relation to Jesus. So, first, let's look at the first one, the one that I don't recommend. That is, let's look at rejection, at rejection of Christ, a choice we can make, and also at its implications. But I think we have to ask a few questions, really, about rejecting Jesus before. We can really understand just what this is all about and why it is so important, beginning with, who are we rejecting? Yes, as we reject Jesus, who are we rejecting? Well, that's laid out for us in a slightly different fashion from the norm here, and because of that, I think that makes it very meaningful. There in verse 7, which incidentally, like verse 8, is an Old Testament scripture taken and applied to Jesus Christ, which is a prophecy that's seen as being fulfilled in Christ. In this case, from Psalm 118 verse 22. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Now, as most of you know, I'm generally an advocate and a pretty faithful supporter of the New International Version. However, I've got to say here that I'm not in agreement with their translation of one of the words in this verse. And it's that word, capstone. Because, you see, the Greek word that this is a translation of could equally well be translated cornerstone. And as much as actually admitted, if you look at the footnotes at the bottom of the page in, in most copies of the NIV. But, you see, I think that's a much more sensible option. The cornerstone, meaning... The stone that holds the whole foundation together. I think that's the best translation in the light of the context here. For you see in the following verse, it talks of this stone being a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. For I would ask you, how can you stumble over a capstone? How can you stumble over something that's at the top, that's usually at the pinnacle of a building? You can't not unless you're Superman or Spider-Man or some other kind of similar being, but you see, you can trip over the cornerstone. You can trip over that which holds together the foundation. So you see what's being said here then by Peter, that Jesus Christ is the key to the foundations of life. That Jesus Christ holds together the foundation of life. And that so, as you reject Jesus, as you refuse to acknowledge Jesus, to give your life to Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, so you are rejecting the one who's supposed to hold the foundations of your life, of our life, together. As you reject Jesus, as you refuse to see him as God's Son who gave himself on the cross for you, as you refuse to see him as the one who opens the way back up for you to God. Into a meaningful, personal relationship with God. The ultimate experience of God and his love. As you refuse to see Jesus as the one who is your Lord and the one who will guide you through life. As you refuse to see him as the one who is, as John fourteen sixteen says, the way, the truth and the life. Well, then you are rejected. You basically are cutting out of your life the one who's supposed to be the foundation of your life, the one who's supposed to be the strength of your life, the one who's supposed to give you stability, who's supposed to be your security, be your guide. Now, of course, you can try and put other things into your life and make them instead the foundation of your life. For example, this could be a relationship with a family member or with a friend, something that's all important to you. But what happens if you fall out with them? What happens if that relationship breaks down? What happens if they move away? What happens when inevitably they die? Or you could make your job the foundation of your life, that which is all important to you, that which you find your identity in. Well, what happens if that's taken away from you prematurely by redundancy? What happens when inevitably that's taken from you by retirement? Or alternatively, it could be maybe a hobby, a, a pastime of some kind that could be the, the foundation of your life that could take this place for you. Well, apart from the fact that that's desperately, tragically trivial, apart from that, accident or age or illness all sorts of, of things in an instant can take these things strip them from us so as you reject Jesus you reject you take away that which is supposed to be the foundation of our lives and that is a loving relationship with God our Father a relationship that's intended to give our lives stability, that's intended to to point us forward, give us direction in life that's intended to be our source of strength. Now, the fact that many people are rejecting Jesus, that as a society, largely, we have rejected Jesus, that, I believe, is borne out, and the truth of this is borne out, by the kind of insecure and unstable people in society that we've become. I mean, not that long ago, we were a much poorer nation, than we are now people today have got so much more materially in that country than they've ever had before even those who lived a generation ago and certainly if you go back two or three generations ago much more and yet in those days when God and his word were much more the foundation of our life well, I would ask you who would doubt and who would argue that despite their the comparative poverty that in many ways these were actually happier days this was actually a much more contented and united society and at the individual level well people today it seems to me from my relatively limited life experience have become much more restless and discontent much more anxious and fearful and we could go on and give different examples All signs though, not always maybe, but often all signs of that lack of stability, of security that only a real foundation in life can bring and that can only be found ultimately in life's ultimate foundation of Jesus Christ. Let's move away now from looking at who we are rejecting and that's Jesus, the foundation of life, to look instead at the question of how do we reject How do we reject Jesus in our life? Now, the answer that that Peter seems to give us here is that we reject Jesus as we disobey him. Verse 8 says, They stumble because they disobey the message. Now, the interesting thing is that that word disobey can mean, and let me just quote here from a dictionary definition, it can mean active or entrenched. Opposition, And of course, we can understand that. We can understand that, that people who are acting in that kind of way, that people who are fiercely, aggressively antagonistic to Jesus Christ, we can understand that these people are rejecting Jesus and so are locking God out of their life. But you see, that word disobey also means Pretty obviously and quite simply, it also means not to obey. As simple as that. So you see, then, we reject Jesus, not just when we're antagonistic and fiercely negative towards him. No, actually, whenever we don't act actively obey Jesus, submit to Jesus, don't actively follow Jesus, when that is our position, we still are guilty of rejecting Jesus Christ, of rejecting God, locking God out of our lives. But maybe, you know, I don't know, you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, you know, I, I don't really disobey God. I don't do anything seriously wrong. I'm a good person. I'm a kind person. I live a good life. So surely I must be, be okay here. while well, I tell you, that's not God's estimate of your life. That's not the way God sees things. For Romans 3.23 says, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So you see, we become sinners, we disobey God, not just when we do terrible things, awful things, no, we become sinners, it tells us here, when we fall short of God's glory. That is when we fall short of the moral perfection of God that we were originally created with the potential to sharing. So you see, the little things that we think, the little things that we say, the little ways that we slip up in, the little things that we do, that we know in our heart are not right, and you know, some things that we don't know, but still are not right. All these things are acts of disobedience against God. And these are things, that until they are dealt with, that block God out of our life. Our holy God, who can have nothing to do with sin. And these things are a rejection of God. What's the result of this, this rejection of Jesus? Well, we're told here that those who reject Jesus stumble and fall. Verse 8, that he is a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. I want to ask you, isn't that a pretty accurate picture of how so many people today live their lives stumbling from disaster to disaster, every now and again falling into a crisis situation? Isn't that pretty accurate? And it's all because they lack that ultimate foundation in their life, all because they have rejected Jesus Christ. You know, all of this is, in a sense, just a forewarning of what's to come if we end our life still in that place of rejecting Jesus. For you see, the Jesus who was sent to be the foundation of our life will then be the rock, ultimately, that makes us stumble and fall. In the sense that we who have spent our lifetime rejecting Jesus Christ who have spent our lifetime turning our back and spurning God's love will at death then find that the God that we have rejected, the God who we have ignored, now rejects us and that we are now separated from His love forevermore. There's something in this passage though that I don't know that might be of great concern to some of you. And that's the fact that here it says of those who reject Christ, again in verse 8, that this is what they were destined for. Basically, that this is what they were appointed for. Now, this isn't something that's easy to hear. But we'll not go into this in, in too great detail because, you know, that would kill both of us and any final answers I don't think can ever be given in this, this kind of area. Not, I want to say here, but for me it would seem that for good to be good, there has to be the possibility of evil. It would seem to me that for love to be love, there has to be the freedom to choose not to love. You see, it was these choices that led men voluntarily into sin and therefore into separation from a holy God. And it was that sin that left us Under God's judgment and therefore under condemnation. So I would say to you then that we then have no right to accuse God because some are left under that condemnation that they entered into as a result of their decisions. To the contrary, it's the fact that any are saved that are a miracle of His grace, an act of amazing grace that we could never hope to merit and certainly cannot ever demand for what it's worth and these are just my, my thoughts here I sometimes speculate that perhaps the reason God saves the people that he does is because in some unknowable and unfathomable way with all our different strengths and weaknesses all our quirks of character and personality all our different gifts and limitations we all have in a way, a part to play in fitting together, a place in that building of the finally perfect people he is calling out for himself to love. Calling out of the very jaws of sin and death. And certainly in the Bible, the fact that some are chosen is seen as something that we should give all the credit and all the praise to God for. For example, in Ephesians 1, 3 and 4. And to the contrary, the fact that some are left in their sin is seen as something that, that brings God sorrow, not delight. Ezekiel 33, verse 11. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but would rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn! Turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, O house of Israel? And the blame for this is always put on those who rebel and never on God, never. For example, John five thirty nine and 40. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. But what we're saying here, all of this might seem a bit scary for some of you. For you perhaps thinking, well, you know, I'm in that place. I'm rejecting Jesus in the sense today that I've never actually put my trust him. That's where I am now and I'm lost now. Does that mean I'll always be lost? Does it mean that I'm destined to be lost? I want to say by no means. Certainly I've got no doubt that many who were lost here when Peter wrote this letter later came to faith. There's no question that Peter expected this to be the case. For example, what do we find him saying to wives in First Peter 3 verse 1? He says, Wives, in the same way be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives. So then you see, just because we so far in our lives have rejected Jesus in the sense we haven't yet come in faith in, that does not mean that we're lost forever. No, there is an alternative. That is, we can instead choose Christ. That's our other choice. And so we can know blessing you see right now today we can say lord i know that i'm a sinner i know that there's sin in my heart the sin in my life that within me which separates me from your life and that brings me under your rightful condemnation but lord i thank you that as well as being a holy and a just god that you are also my loving heavenly father and so I thank you that when, as a sinner, I could do nothing about my sin, I thank you that you then sent your Son, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to pay the penalty of my sin. I thank you that on that cross, He gave His sinless life to pay the price for sinners. Yes, we have another option today. We can, by faith, choose Jesus. And do you know what happens when you choose Jesus? What happens is that all the blessings of heaven become yours. That's what's been talked about here in these verses. Yes, for here, all the blessings that in the Old Testament were enjoyed by Israel, God's chosen people, are here seen as being enjoyed by the church, by the new people of God. As we choose God, so we become part of the chosen people of God. Not in the sense that the church Israel is Israel or replaces Israel. No, I don't believe that because in the end times Israel will return to the Lord and no great blessing in the Lord. You've only got to read Romans 9 to 11 to be convinced of that. But now, right now, the church does share with Israel that special Blessing of God. Because look at what it says in these these closing verses. That is, that the Jerusalem temple is no longer the dwelling place of the Lord. For Christians now are the new temple of God, as God by His Spirit dwells in them. That the priesthood, able to offer acceptable sacrifices to God, is no longer descended. From Aaron. Because Christians now. Are the true royal priesthood. With access. To the throne of God. That God's chosen people. (coughs) Excuse me. Are no longer simply those. Who are descended physically. From Abraham. No but rather. At a much deeper level. God's chosen people now. Are those who are spiritually descended from Christ. Now we could go on and on, that Christians now are God's holy nation, are now the people of God, are those who have received mercy. But you see, the point is, that when we become Christians, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the blessing of God is lavished. Upon us. And you see, God now, right now, wants this to be something that's enjoyed by every person here, by all of us. But maybe there are some here who are Christians, and we are part of the chosen people of God. We, by faith, we have chosen Jesus Christ. And yet we know that we're not enjoying God as we should. We know that we're not laying hold of the the riches of heaven, of our inheritance, in the way that we should. I want to ask the question, could it be that this is because we're not looking in the right place today for our treasure? Could it be that it's because we're so busy chasing after the treasure of this world because we're so busy looking for this world's riches? Could this be the reason because we're looking in the wrong place for our treasure, devoting our energies to the wrong thing, could this be the reason why we are not now enjoying our spiritual inheritance in Christ in the way God wants? You see, we've lost out in the real treasure because we're chasing after fool's gold. Well, this, you know, is something that you can change. If that's where you are, you can do it right here and now. And you can do it as by repentance you turn your whole life, the whole perspective of your life around and again get focused on Jesus. But maybe you're here and you're not yet a Christian. And you wonder, you wonder, could it be that God could love me enough that he would want to share his life, this blessing with me. Could it be? I say to you, not only could this be so, this is so. This is the reality. As John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You see, that's God's heart. That's what God wants. He wants you to share his blessing. He wants you to know eternal life. What you have to do is choose Jesus. What you have to do is choose life. That you might know that life, abundant life, the life that God has for you. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for the richness and fullness of the blessing that's your desire for your people through faith in Christ. This is what you want for each one of us, for each of your people. What we are called to do today is to grab hold of that by faith. What we're called to do today is to put our faith in Jesus Christ, to stop sitting on the fence, to stop looking in the wrong direction but to see Jesus for who he is, for all that he is, and to recognize all that he wants to bring into our life. He wants to be that foundation. He wants to be our life and our hope. But help us to see Jesus and respond to him in faith today. This we ask that he might be glorified in the lives of his people here. Amen.